Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. All right, well, today is February, day 11, and we are looking at Acts 7, 8, and 9, along with the second half of Proverbs chapter 10. So let's get into our five observations today. Number one, Stephen recites much of the history of the Israelites. We see that all throughout chapter 7. That is what Acts 7 is. It's known here as, as Stephen's sermon or Stephen's speech. And he uh, walks the people through uh, the, much of the events of the Old Testament. The things that happened for the Israelites. That's important. We'll come back to that in, in just a moment. Um, the second thing, uh, it says Stephen was martyred yet still prayed for those who stoned him. Uh, at the end of chapter 7, as Stephen is about to die, it says in verse 58, Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. Verse 59, As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Uh, he, he says similar to what Christ said and prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen, though martyred, uh, is still praying for those who took his life. Number three, Saul is mentioned for the first time. And we know he approved of Stephen's stoning. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, And Saul approved of his execution. Uh, this is our first mention of Saul, and we're introduced to him, who of course will become uh, a, a primary uh, player in the rest of our New Testament. Number 4, uh, Saul is saved on the road to Damascus. Uh, it, it is an amazing thing that happens as the Lord saves Saul, uh, that is in chapter 9, his conversion. Of course, when that happens in chapter 9, verse 4 says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we know that what Saul was doing was he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And interestingly enough, Jesus' own heavenly response to Saul is when you have persecuted the church, you're persecuting me. Why have you persecuted me, Jesus asks. So th this is in line with what the Lord Jesus taught us uh, in his life when he said that if you have ministered to the least of these, you've ministered to him. Now in Acts 9, it's just the, the flip side of the same coin. When you have persecuted the people of God, you have persecuted Christ. So when you are gracious to his people, you are gracious to him. When you persecute his people, you're persecuting him. Uh, that, that's a very important distinction to understand. That the way you treat people um, is the way you treat Christ. And, and the way that you serve people, it is your service unto Christ. The way that you overlook people would be um, the way you've overlooked Christ. Very important 
um, lesson we see there in Acts 9. And then fifthly, the church was being built up and strengthened as it multiplied. The church was being built up and strengthened as it multiplied. That's exactly what it says in chapter 9, verse 31. Um, that the church throughout the area had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It was being persecuted. Uh, there, there were many who were against it, and yet the church multiplied. Five applications. Number one, the same preaching that melts some hearts hardens others. The same preaching that melts some hearts hardens others. In chapter 7, it says in verse 54, Now when they heard these things, so Stephen has just recounted um, what the Lord has done through the Old Testament. He has recounted how the Israelites came to be, um, things related to the patriarchs, things related to Moses, things related to Christ. And it says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. The same preaching that sometimes melts hearts hardens others. Um, there were times, as we looked at the other day, when Peter preached the gospel, and thousands believe. And here, Stephen declaring the exact same truth, and the response of those who heard him, uh, they were enraged. So, what this reminds us of is our responsibility in evangelism is to cut it straight. We're to love the people, pray for the people, uh, plead for the people to come to faith in Christ. But our responsibility is not their response. Our responsibility is not the result. Our responsibility is to faithfully proclaim the truth with love with grace, with clarity, with boldness, we proclaim the truth. And when you talk to your co-worker about Christ, his heart may be melted and believe, praise God. Or his heart may be hardened as he rejects the gospel. That, that's a heartbreaking thing to watch. But either way, our responsibility is to be clear on the gospel. Some men preach the gospel in churches each Lord's Day, and people repent, and people believe, and, and people are added to the church. Other men preach just as faithfully, just as clearly, with just as much love and grace in their heart, and uh, it, it's judgment against the hearers as their hearts are hardened. Whatever the Lord is doing through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel, it's our responsibility to love them, pray for them, and clearly call them to repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, at death, the grace of God will carry us. Um, all believers ought to read the end of Acts chapter 7 with some regularity. As Stephen uh, has proclaimed the truth, the people are enraged against him, and now they are going to take his life. And yet it tells us... Uh, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen's faith is strong even to his last breath. Um, as he is allowed the privilege of, of seeing the Lord, he is praying even for those who take his life. 
His final words are marked with truth and grace. Even in his last moments, it's about speaking the truth and about grace for people. Death, the grace of God, will carry us. Uh, sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, I don't know if I have the grace to be able to die in faith, or, or what if my faith fails me at the end, or uh, I don't know if I can face death with courage. Here's what you need to know as God's people. His grace will carry you through on that last day. Your faith perseveres if it's genuine, and your persevering faith is carried along by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those who are truly God's people, even in their worst days, even in their last days, God's grace will carry us through. Number three, don't ever conclude that someone is beyond the grace of God. Saul is on the wrong team. He is persecuting Christians. Um, verse 3 of chapter 8, Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You would never look at his life and think he was going to be converted. You would never look at his life and think there's any way this guy is going to believe. There's no way his heart is going to be softened to the things of the gospel. And yet, in grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Saul is converted and becomes a, a champion for Christ. So don't ever conclude that someone is beyond the grace of God. Your, your parent uh, who breaks your heart that they're not a believer, don't stop praying for them. Your co-worker who is so cold to the things of the Lord, don't stop sharing the gospel with them. Uh, your friend at your school who talks bad and acts bad and treats people bad and, and you think to yourself, I'll never invite him to church. He would never come. Or um, there's no way she would ever believe and become a Christian. Don't ever conclude that someone is beyond the grace of God. If God's grace can reach down and convert Saul and change his heart so completely from the inside out, uh, let us not be the ones who conclude that somebody is beyond the grace of God. You keep praying for their conversion. You keep sharing the gospel in word with them. You keep letting your life be a living example of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you call them to repent and trust in the name of the Lord. And that person who you look at and say, there's just no way this person could ever believe. You never know. Uh, God in grace has saved uh, the lowest of the low. He has saved us. He can save them uh, should his spirit so choose to. So pray for them. Share with them. Plead with them. Call them to repent. Um, and, and let's see what the Lord does. Number four, our calling does not change regardless of our circumstances. This is really interesting. In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, Saul is ravaging the church. Very next verse, chapter 8, verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So we gather together, we preach the word. We're scattered, we preach the word. People believe and respond, we preach the word. People persecute the church, we preach the word. Our calling does not change regardless 
of our circumstances. You, you, you share the word. You preach the word. You proclaim the gospel. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, but we want to be faithful no matter what our circumstances are. And then fifthly, walk in the fear of God and receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit and be blessed. As simple as we can make it here, um, we see this in chapter 9, verse 31 again. It says the church was being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So let's make life really simple today. Walk in the fear of God, receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and be blessed. Whatever happens today, be blessed by knowing you walked in the fear of the Lord. He was first place in your heart. You gave Him the, the reverence and the awe and the worship that He rightly deserves. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To walk in the fear of the Lord is to see God as you should, to know His Word, to believe His Word, to live in wisdom. You're comforted by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God multiplies and does its work. And you are blessed as you obey him. And then a summary from the second half of Proverbs 10. God's word is our stronghold, our refuge, and our life. God's word is everything that we need. We read it, we meditate on it, we pray it, we memorize it, we obey it, uh, and we run to it as our stronghold and our refuge. Hope that's a great encouragement to you today.